This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening. Tomorrow is December 27th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily Bowl Preview Series. I'm your producer, Tony Levitt, and there are five bowls to preview today. Our first preview is the Military Bowl presented by Northrop Grumman between North Carolina and Temple. And this preview is presented by Tommy Ashley from Inside Carolina. Hello, my name is Tommy Ashley from InsideCarolina.com, and I'm here to preview the Military Bowl between North Carolina and Temple for College Football Daily. The game features a matchup between the Temple Owls out of the American Athletic Conference coming into the ballgame with an 8-4 record. They're probably their biggest win over 23-ranked Memphis back on October 12th, a 30-28 win there. It was Memphis's only blemish on a 12-1 season, so a good win for the Owls. North Carolina comes in 6-6, six six, having won their last two regular season ballgames, an easy cruiser over Mercer, and then a 41-10 route over hated rival NC State to get bowl eligible i've got inside carolina beat writer with me greg barnes greg quick snapshot north carolina and temple well north carolina as everybody knows is led by sam howell offensively very explosive uh unit on that side uh, he's, he's really surprised everybody and uh, a lot of fans think maybe he's the guy in the future can be a heisman type candidate and then of course temple uh, counters that with with one of the best defenses in the country and so that's really going to be what everybody pays attention to north carolina defensively has had its up and downs throughout the year, as has Temple's. So whichever side of the ball wins that that matchup between UNC's offense and, and Temple's defense will have the inside track to, to victory at the Military Bowl. It's amazing to me with the amount of innovation in the game, football still comes down to a battle in the trenches. This game will certainly come down to that. North Carolina's high-powered offense, Temple's high-powered defense. Greg, two players – one on each side of that equation certainly make watching this bowl game worth your time. Absolutely. And as I mentioned, Howe's a guy that if North Carolina had won a lot more games this year, he probably would have been in the Heisman race uh, just because of what he's done. He's completed 60% of his passes, 3,300 yards, 35 touchdowns against seven interceptions. Uh, he's really pushed Trevor Lawrence as, as the best quarterback in the ACC as a true freshman. And then, of course, Temple on the other side, that defense is so good. Why? Well, in large part because of, of junior defensive end uh, Quincy Roche. Roche has just been fantastic this year as one of the top uh, pass rushers in the country. 13 sacks, 18 tackles for loss. He's going to be a pro player. And so the fact that, that Sam's going to have to keep an eye on Roche along that defensive line is going to give you an idea of you know, these are two guys that are going to play at the next level, uh, whether that's next year or maybe a couple years down the road remains to be seen. But these are two elite talents uh, in the military bowl. Greg certainly hits the nail on the head there as Quincy Roche anchors a defense. He's got 13 sacks, but that defense has 39 on the season. And 
dozens of tackles for loss. Roche with 18 of those. Sam Howell can move the ball through the air. North Carolina's offense is explosive, but they have struggled at times when quick defensive lines. Again, that matchup is the key to this one. And Greg, let's flip the field now and talk about Carolina's defense versus that Temple offense. Chaz Surratt, Jason Strobridge, Aaron Crawford, they've pretty much been the stars of North Carolina's defense. But Temple can do some things on offense at times, but they've not been too scary. Well, Temple has not been very explosive whatsoever. Uh, and the fact that their their number two running back is out in this game, uh, suffered an injury and late in the season, uh, I think makes Temple a little bit more of of a kind of a normal team, mediocre offense. And so North Carolina just has to make sure uh, that they don't allow any explosive plays. Keep the uh, the owls in front of you. Don't let anybody get behind you if you're a safety. And really make them beat you slowly marching down the field. Uh, Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge are both two of the best interior defensive linemen in the ACC. They can play well and really force Temple to, uh, to, to make long drives. I think that'll be key in North Carolina, keeping the Owls out of the end zone, uh, and that will work in Carolina's favor. We've certainly mentioned great players on both sides of the ball for both teams, but Greg, when you look at uh, this matchup, give me a couple X factors on each side for North Carolina and for the Temple Owls. Well, I think for Temple, the, the X factor could be backup quarterback Ty Sentio. He's a guy that he's not their primary uh, passer. That honor goes Anthony Russo. But what Todd can do is he can come in and can really use his legs. North Carolina has struggled this year against rushing quarterbacks. And so how Temple decides to use him uh, could give the, the Owls an advantage with their own offense. In terms of North Carolina, I think it really comes down to you know, what, what happens at the wide receiver position. Uh, Temple's defense is very good, uh, but if a guy like Daz Newsom uh, or De'Ami Brown can get behind the defense just one or two times and Sam Howell can make an easy score, that all of a sudden puts a lot of pressure on that Temple uh, offense, and that's how North Carolina can really uh, create some breathing room in this game. If I'm Temple, I'm using Centio as a running mobile quarterback the entire game. North Carolina's had success against pocket passers. Running quarterbacks have been trouble for the Tar Heels defense all season. That said, I'm going North Carolina 44-33 in this one. Greg, your thought? I think North Carolina wins this one uh, 35-21. Expect a high-scoring affair between the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Temple Owls in the historic Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium on the campus of the Naval Academy in Annapolis. If you want to hear more about the North Carolina Tar Heels, you can check me out on the InsideCarolina.com podcast where we release five or six episodes a week. This is College Football Daily Preview for the Military Bowl. I'm Tommy Ashley signing off. Thanks, Tommy. If you want more Tar Heels audio, subscribe to the Inside Carolina podcast. Next in line is Trey Scott with the Academy Sports and Outdoor Texas Bowl between Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. I'm not sure if it was a compliment or a troll job when Mike Gundy, the Oklahoma State head coach, called Texas A&M the best 7-5 team in college football history. But, you know, I don't think Texas A&M fans probably took it very well, and it makes sense. They don't want to be 7-5. and five. The Aggies, yes, they played you know, three number one teams this year and two of their top ten opponents. But at 7-5, and five, Texas A&M did not beat anyone that they weren't supposed to. They lost everyone they were supposed to. And so now they play Oklahoma State on Friday, December 27th in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. 
Oklahoma State and Texas A&M go back a long way. The Cowboys, who are 8-4 and four this year, coached by Mike Gundy, of course. These teams used to duke it out in some classic Big 12 shootouts before Texas A&M hopped off to the SEC. And so that's why I would think Mike Gundy's 7-5 and five comment probably was dripping with a little bit of sarcasm because when Texas A&M left for the SEC, well, the word was the Aggies were going to start competing for the big boy bowls. And here they are. This is probably not where they wanted to be. But I think both teams could use this game as a springboard of sorts for 2020. Let's start with those Aggies. The schedule can't possibly be as tough in 2020 as it was this past year. There's no Clemson, no Georgia. And they only lose three starters. They also return senior quarterback Kellen Mond. I don't think Mond lived up to his preseason declaration that he was the best quarterback in the SEC. 19 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. But he is what he is at this point. Big, strong passer. Can run a little bit. Can make most of the throws. And I think as a senior, Kellen Mond could be a really good college football player. On the other side, Oklahoma State's got an up-and-down redshirt freshman and Spencer Sanders who started the season off ridiculously hot, uh, nearly beat Texas and Austin, looking like at times like he could be Mike Gundy's best quarterback ever in Stillwater, which is, is saying quite a bit considering Brandon Whedon, uh, Mason Rudolph. They've had quite a few good players. I, I think Spencer Sanders, and he was, he was injured the last few games of the regular season, but he's back. This could be a, this could be a big stage for him uh, against a, a, an SEC defense. It's not the best defense, but it's an SEC defense. So we'll see what he does. Uh, of course, he's going to be giving the rock a ton to Chuba Hubbard. The Canadian running back is likely headed to the NFL after this game. He leads college football in rushing yards uh, with 1,936. He's a, a big play threat. Waiting to happen every single time. Uh, can't wait to watch him. Usually, Mike Gundy's teams are known for the quarterback receiver connection. This is all about Chuba, and in fact, Mike, uh, these Oklahoma State teams in the past have had their fair share of NFL-bound running backs who don't seem to be getting uh, as much credit as their quarterback-receiver counterparts. But this has been this team has been all Chuba. This team has been all Chuba, especially since star receiver Tylen Wallace suffered a knee injury midseason and has been out. Texas A&M, for its part, is down to one scholarship running back. Yeah, one scholarship running back. Suspensions and transfers and injuries have robbed the Aggies of what was a, a deep backfield to begin the year. So that freshman is Isaiah Spiller. He's actually had a good year, almost uh, almost 900 yards and nine touchdowns. So look, A and M's supposed to win, six and a half point favorite. I think both teams are going to play really hard because again, this isn't where A and M wants to be. But A and M doesn't want to go seven and six in Jimbo Fisher's second year. And A&M knows that if it has a big game on this Friday, it could be a springboard of sorts for a top 25 uh, resume win. Uh, Oklahoma State is ranked number 25. And maybe a, a launch pad to be a top 15 team in college football next year. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State, in somewhat of a transition year uh, with a redshirt freshman at quarterback, is ranked number 25, 8-4. and four. They win this game to be 9-4. and four. So we'll see. Mike Gunny versus Jimbo Fisher. It should be a lot of fun. Can't wait to watch it. Good stuff, Trey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the next two bowls, I brought in Connor Tapp. He'll walk you through the new era pinstripe bowl between Michigan State and Wake Forest and the Cheez-It Bowl between Air Force and Washington. Also known as the Tiny Levitt is definitely going to consume our product bowls. It's all you, Connor. Hi, this is Connor. Pardon my audio. I am in a closet right now on Christmas Day getting my recording in to meet deadline. So let's hit it. The 10th playing of the New Era Pinstripe Bowl kicks off at 2.30 p.m. Central at Yankee Stadium. If you're a Wake Forest fan, you're probably quite thrilled with your 8-4 season and a trip to the Big Apple. Michigan State fans probably feel much differently. The Spartans lost five in a row after getting out to a 4-1 start and needed to grit out a 19-16 win over Maryland to avoid missing out on a bowl game for the second time in the past four seasons. And this is a Mark D'Antonio team, so y'all know the drill. Good defense and Stone Age offense. The key distinction between this year's Michigan State team and previous iterations is that the defense is merely top 25 good instead of top 5 good. And unlike previous MSU teams, the ground game on offense isn't potent enough to balance out the lack of a downfield passing threat. On the other side, you've got a Wake Forest team that's perfectly average at a lot of different things. The College Football Daily has nothing but respect for the job Dave Clawson is doing in Winston-Salem, but the Deeks are 8-4 and four because the ACC is historically weak at the moment. Right now, a September win against UNC currently counts as Wake Forest's most impressive victory, according to ESPN's FPI. Michigan State is favored by 3.5. The Cheez-It Bowl has been called many things over the years. In 1989, it debuted as the Copper Bowl and subsequently cycled through the following titles. The Domino's Pizza Copper Bowl, the Weiserlock Copper Bowl, the Insight.com Bowl, just the regular Insight Bowl, no.com, Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, Ticket City Cactus Bowl, Motel 6 Bowl, and just the plain old Cactus Bowl after that. When it was reborn as the Cheez-It Bowl in 2018, TCU and Cal treated the city of Phoenix to a glorious disaster of a game that was light on points and heavy on turnovers. 2019 could be just as entertaining thanks to the clash of styles on offer from Air Force's Flexbone and Washington State's Air Raid. For Mike Leach and Wazoo, it's business as usual. One of the most efficient offenses in the country and a defense that couldn't stop a runny nose. The Cougs are dead last in the Pac-12 in run defense, and that's an alarming stat for a team getting ready to play Air Force. Only Navy runs the ball more times per game than Air Force, and only 19 teams gain more yards per rush than the Falcons do. But when Wazoo has the ball, Air Force is more vulnerable through the air than they are on the ground. Ironic, right? It's Air Force. Uh, you know, planes and all of that. But if quarterback Anthony Gordon can exploit that weakness, then look out. Gordon has five games in which he has uh, attempted uh, 60 or more passes. He has thrown 45 touchdowns this season and has 5,200 yards passing. I know we are completely desensitized to gaudy stats in the air raid era of college football, but that is absolutely insane. So this game kicks off at 9.15 Central Time and Air Force is favored by three. Thanks, Connor. For our last preview, we have something new for you. 
The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl features USC and Iowa, so I split this preview between our USC and Iowa producers, Ryan Abraham and David Eichold. Hello, my name is Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, and I'm here to preview the Holiday Bowl between the USC Trojans and the Iowa Hawkeyes for college football daily. All right, the Trojans coming into this one with an 8-4 and four record, uh, ranked number 22 in the college football playoff, and they're going to take on a 9-3 and three Iowa team that's coming in at number 16 in the college football playoff. Really different styles of football between these two programs. you got Iowa that's more of a gritty, tough team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, uh, and they you know don't turn the ball over, really well coached. And you have the USC Trojans that there's a lot of talent there. We've seen this be a, a feast or famine sort of team. They commit a lot of penalties, one of the worst in the country. They turn the ball over fairly uh, a good amount of time, and uh, they can put up a bunch of points and score against really good teams and beat a team like Utah with a third-string quarterback, or you play uh, a team like Oregon at home and get absolutely throttled. So this is a, a USC team that's really kind of all over the map. We've learned over the past couple of weeks that Clay Helton is going to return as the head coach. Interesting to see what effect that will have on morale. The Trojans' strength by far is going to be the USC passing game. It's a top five passing offense in the country. And if you look at Iowa's secondary and their pass defense, one of the best top 15 in the nation, only about 185 yards passing per game given up and only 11 passing touchdowns on the year. So the Iowa strength on defense is facing off against the USC strength on offense. When the Trojans win, it's because the passing game is working. And if you look at this Iowa defense, they haven't given up more than 24 points all year. They haven't given up 30 points in the last 17 games. I think the Trojans, to win this one, they're going to have to get to 30. And if they do that, I think they're going to be able to uh, defeat Iowa. But if they're they're struggling to score, they turn the ball over a little bit, I feel like this is a situation that Iowa is going to be able to uh, shorten the game and you know get a 24-21 uh, type of win. So um, I would think you want to watch this game. you got two ranked teams. You got some you know contrasting styles and a really fun offense on the USC side that can make games really entertaining. Sometimes they don't run the football a whole lot. Sometimes they will, but you're gonna see them throw the football over the field. The last time this USC offense was out there, they had four receivers go for over a hundred yards. It's only happened twice this century. So that's gonna be something to watch. I think you need to look at Nate Stanley for Iowa. He can be a, a difference maker, more of a system quarterback. But if he can make some big plays with those wide receivers, I think that uh, you're going to give uh, uh, you know, the Iowa Hawkeyes a great chance. Watch Talano Hufunga on the USC side. Same sort of thing. He could be USC's best tackler. He can be an eliminator, an eraser on defense. So if Iowa gets things going, they might need Hufunga to step in and uh, and make things happen. So I'm going to predict that USC is going to win this one like a 31-28. I think they're going to score enough points. And, uh, you know, the, the secondary is really good for Iowa, but I think USC's receivers are going to be better. Keaton Slovis is a true freshman. has been great. So I'll take the Trojans 31-28. Hey, everybody. My name is David Eichel from Hawkeye Insider, and I'm here to give you the full preview to the Holiday Bowl between Iowa and USC for the College Football Daily. This is the first time that these two teams have met since the 2003 Orange Bowl when the Trojans walked away with a 38-17 victory after outscoring Iowa 28-7 in the second half. 
Both teams entering this matchup having won five out of their last six regular season games. For Iowa, it's a big opportunity. They could get their 10th win of the season, and that has only happened nine times in school history. But a win against USC would also mark their 47th win over the past five years. If that happens, it will be the most wins in a five-year span in school history. But diving into the Holiday Bowl matchup, this is one of the best matchups on the Bowl slate. Let me tell you why. USC has one of the top five aerial attacks in the country. Uh, Keaton Slovis, record-setting freshman quarterback, entered the season as a third stringer. A couple guys in front of him get hurt. But he made the most out of his opportunity. He walked away with the conference's freshman offensive player of the year award, and he became the first Trojan to pass for 400 yards in four different times during a season. He's also nationally top 20 quarterback in five categories, including completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, efficiency, and overall completions. He can sling it, especially if he gets a clean pocket. But he does have a heck of a group to work with, probably one of the top three group wide receiver groups in the country. This trio is phenomenal. Michael Pittman, Bolitnikoff Award finalist, tremendous, 95 catches, well over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns. Amon Ross St. Brown, former 24-7 sports five-star wide receiver, and Tyler Vaughns. All three of those guys average more than 70 yards receiving per game and have at least six touchdowns. Again, Pittman leads in both. Uh, especially with the 11 touchdowns. Keen Slovis, hard guy to slow down. But Iowa's defense is one of the best that they've had in school history. Despite losing seven starters from last season, this new group has really kind of taken off and running. They're 11th in the nation in passing defense, only allowing 184 yards per game. They're scoring defense, only allowing 13.2 points per game. That's the second lowest total in the Ferentz era. And if they hold the USC to under nine points, it will be the lowest uh, in the Kirk Ferentz era. But Iowa, it's kind of amazing to see them perform at this level, especially without all those starters. But it starts up front. Guys like A.J. Epinesa, second team All-American, nine sacks on the year, face double teams for the most part. But the entire Iowa defensive line has really started to come around. They only recorded 11 sacks through the first seven games this season, not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, put a lot of pressure on their linebackers and safeties to really kind of step up and slow down teams. But over the past five games, the defensive line in the Hawkeyes have 18 sacks. Epinesa has really exploded over the last month. He's going to be a future first-round pick if he decides to leave school this season. But on top of that, Iowa's secondary is no joke. The Hawkeyes have intercepted a pass in six straight games. Uh, Fifth-year senior defensive back Michael Ojemudia leads the team with three. That's also second in the Big Ten. But the Hawkeyes have 11 interceptions this season and 52 interceptions since 2017. That's more than any other team in the country over the past three seasons. So that offense versus defense dynamic is going to be special to watch. Diving in a couple X factors for Iowa, it's going to be freshman running back Tyler Goodson. Started the last three games of the season, but played in every single game. Displays explosive ability. USC is 76th in rushing defense, allowing 4.6 yards per carry. Goodson can make guys miss in the open field. He has 20 catches on the year. He can catch the ball. He can shake and bake, spin around you, hurdle, and he can be special if given the opportunity. So if Iowa gets that running game going early, that's going to be big for them. Iowa is 42-4 and over the last five years when they run for at least 100 yards. That will be something to keep an eye on. 
But diving into USC, the offensive line, they got to be able to protect Keaton Slovis, let those receivers get open, give them a clean pocket to try to pick apart a pretty solid Iowa Iowa defense, especially in the past. But also Michael Pittman, I think, is a huge X factor. As I already mentioned, six foot four, two hundred twenty pound, big bodied receiver, ninety five catches on the year, twelve hundred twenty two yards, eleven touchdowns. And Iowa, for the most part, has done pretty well against you know solid wide receivers. But those outside guys are big bodied and explosive. They've struggled. I think of Purdue's Purdue wide receiver David Bell had 13 grabs for 197 yards and a touchdown against Iowa earlier in the season. Minnesota's Tyler Johnson had nine receptions for 170 yards and a touchdown. So if if they get Pittman going early, you know he he has that ability to kind of torch the Iowa defense if Iowa gets riled early. But if if USC's offensive line holds and Pittman gets going. You know, this game could be a shootout. So as a final prediction, I think Iowa is going to be able to walk away with a 31-27 victory. Iowa has not allowed an opponent to score more than 30 points in 16 straight games. I expect that to continue. If you want to hear more about the Hawkeyes, then you can check me out on the Swarmcast podcast. We release weekly episodes as well as emergency podcasts for breaking news and big commitments. This was your College Football Daily Preview for the Holiday Bowl. David Eicholt signing off. Awesome stuff, guys. If you like what you heard from Ryan and David, subscribe to the Peristyle podcast for USC News and Swarmcast for Iowa News. That's going to do it for today's College Football Daily Bowl previews. We will be previewing every single bowl and bringing you regular episodes of the College Football Daily. So if you like what you hear, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give a five-star rating and review. That can be your holiday gift to us. For Tommy Ashley, David I. Colt, Ryan Abraham, and our hosts, Trey Scott and Connor Tapp. I'm your producer, Tony Levitt, and we'll see you tomorrow with another edition of the College Football Daily. series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves demons and now what a baby antichrist (laughs) prepare yourself you will not beat us for the end i have visions of hell make it stop make it shut up you're not gonna survive this evil the final season streaming may 23rd only on paramount plus